For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey there, this is Joshua Fisher, one of the producers at the Believe Podcast Network, and we're doing something really cool this month with the draft coming up, the NFL draft coming up. We are getting a host to rep each team in the NFL, and we're doing a little roundtable to kind of debate, discuss the state of the division. We're breaking them up eight shows, eight divisions. So this show right here is going to be the AFC West. We have Jeff Fedditon and Joe Valerio of the Believe in Chiefs podcast representing, you guessed it, the Kansas City Chiefs. We have Nicholas Kreider of the Charity Stripe podcast representing the uh, now Los Angeles Chargers. We have Scott Rachel of Betting Bay Area, Believe in Betting Bay Area, representing the Raiders. And then we have Ryan Dirud of Believe in Los Angeles Football Network, LAFB Network, the creator of that, representing his hometown team, the Denver Broncos, taking a little break from LA football Hope you guys enjoy this really great stuff by all the guys involved. We sitting here, I supposed to be the franchise player, and we in here talking about practice. Awesome round table with a bunch of hosts. Just a friendly reminder that we are brought to you guys by True Classic Tees. Super excited about this sponsor. Style is changing, formal wear is out, and t shirts are in. True Classic Tees are my favorite. It's based in Los Angeles and a t shirt company that's on the rise. The t shirts are soft, they hold up in the wash, and they're incredibly versatile. You could wear them out. You could wear them to work out, or you could wear them around the house because we are all around the house right now. And the best part, they're incredibly, incredibly cheap, only $15, and now you could get them for even less. Go to trueclassictees.com and use the code at checkout, believe, B-L-E-A-V, for 20% off. That's believe, B-L-E-A-V, at trueclassictees.com. We are also brought to you guys by LinkedIn Jobs. Yep, LinkedIn Jobs are back. The perfect hire can have an impact on your business for years to come. And the only place to find the perfect hire is on LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has over 675 million members worldwide. LinkedIn Jobs screens candidates with the hard and soft skills you're looking for so you can hire the right person fast. LinkedIn looks beyond the work skills and puts your job posts in front of qualified candidates 
who match your business requirements perfectly. It's no wonder a person is hired every eight seconds with LinkedIn. And why companies rated LinkedIn Jobs the number one hiring platform for delivering quality hires. Find the right person for your business today with LinkedIn Jobs. You can pay what you want and get the first $50 off. Just visit linkedin.com slash team. Again, that's linkedin.com slash team to get $50 off your first job post. Terms and conditions apply. Well, guys, now that those are done, go check them out. And now check out this awesome round table with some NFL talk. Enjoy. All right, Joshua Fisher here, producer of the Believe Podcast Network, and I am joined by a slew of football analysts over here. We have Scott Reichel of Believe in Betting Bay Area, Ryan Dirud of LA Football Network, Jeff Fetterton and Joe Valerio of Believe in Chiefs, and Nicholas Kreider of the Charity Stripe Podcast and Believe in Texas Football. Gentlemen, how are we doing today? We're doing great. Awesome. Doing doing our best, as they're saying, during this whole crisis. Yeah, doing exactly. Everyone looks like you're at Arrowhead right now. That's awesome, man. Joe, yeah, you look like you're living the life out of everybody with your Arrowhead background. (laughs) We were all kind of, you know, plus the fact that I haven't been to a barber in, you know, five weeks. I look like I'm trying out for Jersey Boys in a couple of days. (laughs) It looks good. Joe's at. Joe's at Arizona. I'm in a lactation room at the Children's Hospital. They're a little different. Uh, yeah. Oh, big congrats <laughs> to Ryan Dirud, guys. He just had a baby. Oh, fantastic. As we, say in, the, as we say in the Jewish religion, Mazel Tov, my man. Mazel Tov. Uh, uh, cheers. So, <laughs> cheers, someone says. Yeah, the, it's the same thing and just in Israeli. Uh, the, he, so, basically, your Hebrew. The, um, basically, here's how it's going to go Scott is going to rep the Raiders. Jeff and Joe will rep the Chiefs. Ryan does so much work on Los Angeles football, but he's from Denver, so we're going to give him his hometown team, guys. And Nicholas Kreider from the San Diego area uh, was a San Diego Chargers fan, has been having a little heart issues, had some heartbreak issues <laughs> with them moving to Los Angeles now, but he is still going to rep his team, the Chargers. And we're going to have an open forum. I want to discuss this division because obviously right now the Chiefs are the team to beat, not only in this division, not only in the AFC, but in the entire NFL. And they look to not be slowing down anytime soon. The Broncos have Drew Locke, a young up-and-coming quarterback. The Chargers are a year removed from being a dominant team in the AFC. And the Raiders had a solid season, all things considered, Antonio Brown. Here's a question I want to ask you guys, and we'll each go one by one to start off, and then we'll kind of get the conversation free-flowing. Take the quarterback away. So no quarterback. Excluding that position, who has the best roster and who's in the best position going forward? No quarterback. Because obviously throwing Pat Mahomes, he's a 99 Madden create your own player, a gift from the gods, right? So that kind of excludes mm-hmm. most things. Quarterback position away, which roster is in best shape? We'll kick it to whoever wants to lead off. Feel free. Well, I guess I'll take that first. Does that include the coaching staff being gone as well? Or are you including the coaching staff? Let's include the coaching staff. Why not? Okay. Cause I was going to say the chargers, but that coaching staff yeah. makes me reconsider that one. Cause <laughs> I'm not exactly the biggest fan of their coaching staff, but on paper, I mean, I like what the chargers do every year. There's a reason why people expect the chargers to do big things every year. And then it seems like they always fall apart at some point. They kind of underachieve mm-hmm. on paper. The team's solid on both sides of the ball, just with weapons I know they lost Melvin Gordon, but honestly, Austin Eckler did such a good job in replacing him. I actually do like the talent they have there. We're not talking about quarterbacks, so that's kind of the Achilles heel of the current roster. But on both sides of the ball, I'm definitely not going to go with the Raiders. I know I'm supposed to be representing them. 
not really a big fan of their defense. Can't really talk about their weapons on offense. Hopefully they'll address those in the draft, but that remains to be seen. Chiefs still have a lot of talent, but that defense definitely got helped out by just how good the offense was, and they struggled a bit. Denver made a lot of big moves during the offseason. Definitely been impressed by them. Kind of curious how all of them will blend together. But overall, I think it would probably be the Chargers, as bold as that might sound. Scott, I'm going to go with a uh, take that's a little out there. It might even sound homerish, but I actually think even if you take away Mahomes, I think the Chiefs are that good. They still might be the best team in the division. Now, maybe not if Mahomes has gone 16 games, but they proved last year with Matt Moore, who, who's now gone, but they have Chad Henney, who's also capable. They were a pretty good team uh, with Matt Moore. They beat the Vikings. Uh, they went uh, – kind of toe-to-toe with Aaron Rodgers of the Packers, and they've really retained their whole nucleus. You know, they bring back their four speedy targets and Travis Kelsey, and Chris Jones is on the franchise tag. I, I mean, I think the team's that good. Well, and I'm going to add to Jeff, you know, not to sound, you know, too homerish as well. Um, you know, I think the Chiefs have they've, – they've gone with the play of we're going to hold Pat, right? We're going to take a team that – you know, through the ups and downs and the roller coaster of that season, we're able to win the Super Bowl with a lot of momentum, obviously in the second half of the season. But I am going to add that I do agree that the Chargers are in really, really good shape um, to put that hat on because I think they've done some really great jobs in, in, in shoring up that, you know, their, their uh, offensive line, number one. The Belaga side. I love the Belaga side. That's, that's, look, I'm a lineman at heart, so I'm, I'm going to go with the lineman. <laughs> You know, that's a, that's a huge pickup. You know, Limbaugh Joseph, Chris Harris on the defensive side of the ball. You know, I think they've done a really nice job. You go all the way down even to, you know, to the reserve categories of picking up a Nick Vigil. I think they've done the most to, to shore up some positions that they needed help with and that they've done a very admirable job this offseason of, of making some plays that are going to really challenge the Chiefs in 2020. Mm-hmm. Nick, Ryan? Yeah, I mean, I agree um, with everything that both of you guys have said. Um, the Chiefs are right there with the Chargers and having one of the best rosters in the NFL. I mean, they just came off a Super Bowl win, and that's not only due to the play of Patrick Mahomes, but, you know, they played great defense. They've got amazing weapons. They've probably got the best weapons in the NFL. Yeah. Uh, Tyreek Hill, um, Sammy Watkins, Travis Kelsey, Damian Williams. I mean, that's an unstoppable force right there with or without tra- or Patrick Mahomes. Um, but, yeah, I mean, if you got to look at the Chargers, they have probably the best secondary in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, Derwin James spearheading that, Casey Hayward, with the addition of Chris Harris Jr., Desmond King, might not even be on the roster next year. They might even trade him because they have Chris Harris now playing the slot. Um, so, I mean, they have one of the best secondaries in the league, and they have that pass rush duo in Bosa and Ingram. On the offensive side of the ball, they do lose a couple of weapons. But, like you said, um, Austin Eckler's, been a great addition to the team. Uh, resigned him for four years, team-friendly deal. Um, Hunter Henry, if he plays healthy, he's a great target. He could have a Kelsey-like season, an Ertz-like season. He's that type of player. Mm-hmm. Keenan Allen, Mike Williams. I would like to see them add maybe one more wide receiver in the draft in the later rounds. But for safety? I do think it's a very, for safety, yeah. I think it's a very healthy roster, though, um, one that is ready to compete with the right quarterback. And Dirude yeah. closing us out. I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll kind of echo all that. You know, I think the Broncos and Chargers both did kind of similar stuff during free agency where they filled positions of need. And then now in the draft, they can just fortify uh, more stuff that uh, can kind of allow okay. them to have some freedom in the draft and not have to really uh, minimize what they have to do. So I love what the Chargers did. Obviously, 
everyone already said it in the secondary at the top unit. Um, but I thought the Broncos was a good thing as well, you know, adding Brad Glasgow to that offensive line. It actually was a better unit than a lot of people gave credit for last year. So the offensive line going to be a lot better with another year with Mike Munchak as the coach there. Um, adding A.J. Bouye, obviously they lose Chris Harris Jr., but they added A.J. Bouye. Mm-hmm. It kind of fits in a Vic Fangio system a little better. Uh, so I think that'll be good. And then getting Jarrell Casey for a seventh-round pick was, you know, a lights-out addition to the defensive line. Um, so this allows them to really sit there yeah. at 15 in the draft. And obviously everyone's talking about receiver, and we'll get to draft stuff uh, a little later. But I just think the Broncos did set themselves up to a position where they can compete with the best in the AFC West because they're not there yet. It's still the Chiefs division. The Chargers, I think, are the next year, and the Broncos are raising or duking it out afterwards. But they set themselves up to where if, you know, uh, the quarterback position plays well, that they'll at least be competitive. So I think they did a good job. Let's jump on that quarterback position with you guys, uh, Ryan. For the Broncos, how are you feeling about Drew Locke? You and I spoke about it uh, face-to-face in Miami, but for the guys here, how are you feeling right now today? Heading into next season, God willing, we see it with Drew Locke at the helm. So, I mean, I was a little different than most people last offseason. I had Drew Locke as my number one rated quarterback out of mm-hmm. the whole class. Um, and the fact that he fell in the second round of the Broncos, I was obviously ecstatic for that. But I saw what he brings. He's a high-character guy. He, he has those intangibles. I, I hate when people compare to other quarterbacks like him at home, who's just you can't compare to. But he does have those intangibles on the field that he brings that a lot of quarterbacks don't, especially in this class, looking at like Justin Herbert doesn't have that. But I just think Drew Locke has that arm talent. His teammates seem to love him. He puts in the work. Um, there's tons of stories of him, you know, staying up way late in the wee hours with, in the bathroom because Dalton Reisner was his roommate trying to sleep, and he's in there studying the playbook. Um, so I, I'm excited about it. I think he's going to improve the team, you know, going 4-1 and one over the last five games. Uh, when he did start, I think it bodes well for him. So uh, they're in a better spot today than they were in last year, that's for sure. That is for sure, and he's looking better than Paxton Lynch. That, that, I think we could all agree on that one. <laughs> Scott, we'll go to you, man. This yeah. is The Raiders could have one of the most interesting quarterback, quarterback storylines, maybe in the division, and that's considering the Chargers really don't. They have Terod Taylor, and that's about it right now. You got Derek Carr, who's not necessarily Gruden or Mayak's guy. You bring in Mariota, who is also not their guy. Are they in a position to even draft a quarterback, in your opinion, in the first round? Do you think either Mariota or Carr are the answer? Can Mariota kind of Tannehill Derek Carr in this situation, so to speak? Well, for me, to address the first question you asked, I don't think they're going to take a quarterback in the first round. I know that they have multiple picks in the first round. Unless they trade up to potentially take a Tua, so to speak, or even hypothetically a Herbert, I'm not a big Herbert guy, so I personally don't think that's much of an upgrade. But based on what they currently have, there's definitely more positions that they need to sure up some depth in the quarterback spot. I know that Carr isn't the greatest quarterback, and he's probably average at best. But at the same point, I just think that they have so many holes at other spots, specifically wide receiver, the secondary, and the linebacking core, that I kind of think they're going to ride it out with Carr. And that's also why they ended up getting Mariota. They had some competition in there. It allows them to focus on other areas in the draft. I think Carr's going to end up being the week one starter. I wouldn't be surprised to see them potentially go to Mariota if they struggle early on. But I really think that if they're going to take a quarterback, it would be in the later rounds, potentially the fourth or fifth round. But I really think that they're just going to stick with Carr and see what happens. Nice. Uh, Nick, we'll kick it to you, man. What's going down? We know Nick has his pulse. He's got the pulse of Twitter. What are the Chargers doing? What are you feeling today when you woke up this morning? Yeah, well, when I woke up this morning, you know, I mean, for the past couple of weeks, I've been on the, the train of uh, signing Cam Newton. Okay. Um, and that all really kind of stems from if he's going to be healthy or not. And 
there hasn't been a lot of reports that have come out that have really tested his health. I know he passed his physical with Carolina before he got released. Um, but, you know, it's a big question mark because if he's healthy, why are they not signing him right now? Mm-hmm. Um, but there's also a lot of confidence going forward with Terod Taylor that, you know, Anthony Lynn has put his confidence in him. Um, there's a, a fresh article right now on Bleacher Report that is the headline right now that Tyrod Taylor is the guy in Los Angeles for the Chargers. Um, and he's not looking over his shoulder if Cam Newton or Jameis Winston were to sign with the Chargers or if they were to draft a quarterback. Now, in terms of looking for the future, um, I would potentially love to see them uh, go after Jordan Love. I think he's, I think for me, he's the quarterback in the class that fits the system well. Um, a guy that could really learn from, from a veteran quarterback like Terod Taylor, um, a guy that Anthony Lynn can shape the right way. He, he, he has a lot to prove coming out of Utah state. You know, he had the high interception rate, but I think that he could really tone it down and be a project quarterback. One of those athletic quarterbacks, like a Mahomes, like a Russell Wilson, like a Lamar Jackson. And he's got a great arm talent as well. Um, I've seen a lot of draft mock drafts that are having um, Herbert favored over Tua for the dolphins. So, I mean, if Tua falls to the sixth position, I I'd like to imagine that the chargers don't pass up on him. Um, but this is all bearing that they don't sign Cam Newton. Now, if they do sign Cam Newton, they're in win, mount, win now mode. Um, they, they don't want to you know, take the time to develop a rookie quarterback. They have the roster right now. They want to win right now. And not to mention that this is a year that I think Anthony Lynn's probably coaching for his job. Yeah. Um, he, didn't, he didn't finish well last year. They, they need to win now. And is a rookie quarterback going to be able to get them to the Super Bowl? I'm not sure. Um, but I think right now Cam Newton seems to be the best option. Cool. Interesting. 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 Uh, I mean, listen, it's a question of, is he healthy? I mean, he looks good. The Instagram test, he passes that with flying colors. Looks great on Instagram. For sure. You know, I, <laughs> he, he looks sweet there. Can't really argue, argue that one. The confidence levels are out of, this, out of this world too. Yeah. Always will be. It's just, you know, he hasn't been the past. He's the MVP days are gone. You know, after that Super Bowl, it's just been downhill for him. Truthfully, as a passer, unfortunately. Uh, unfortunately, but I think he does represent a better option than Taylor still, just from a mentality standpoint, just from what you can still do with him if he is healthy. Um, right. So that'd be a great fit. And plus, I think he, you know, for the fans need it in Los Angeles, and he'd be a, he'd be a great fit for that as well. Uh, of course. What can we ask about Pat Mahomes, boys, and the Chiefs? The big <laughs> the big question I think has to be is this though. You see teams, especially now more than ever, <clears throat> at least I'm just realizing it. Teams are fighting for cap space. Day in and day out. Now we're this guy's gonna get paid, and he's gonna get paid with a capital P A I D paid. Yeah. Is he really worth forty five to fifty potentially million dollars a year, forty million dollars a year? Are you guys on the, the front that give him whatever he wants, my wife, my car, my house, as long as he stays in Kansas City kind of deal? Or is there some weariness? into giving him that much money and devoting that much cap space to a guy, you know, he didn't miss some games last year and he plays a very physical brand of football. Yeah. I I think the the injuries are out of their control, right? It's out of everybody's control. And, and, and I think you you can't, they can't worry about that. And I, I am in agreement that he should get paid. I I think he's one of the best players. He's magic. Um, You know, again, stay away from, from being a homer. I think, just looking at it completely objectively he changes the way that that offense runs and it, yeah. and it runs around him now that's that's a double-edged sword it's also it's also very very scary when you have that much dependency on one player and his ability to execute you know the offense that they have because i 
I don't know if there's a lot of quarterbacks who have the arm and the vision that he has and the ability to run that, that makes that, you know, <clears throat> that relay 100 relay team that he has in receiving cores and, and Kelsey, of course, posting up. There's not a lot of players I think in the league that could make that work. Yeah. Um, so it's scary. So I think, yes, you give him the money because he is the he is the face of the franchise. He is the reason I believe why they won the Super Bowl. Um, <clears throat> and, and I think, you know, barring the fact that, you know, you can't worry about injuries. I, I think it's it's time for them to, you know, step up, use every bit of cap room they have, pay them, and then, you know, hope for the best that he stays healthy and, you know, continue to protect them. I don't know how you feel about it, Jeff. Yeah, like, Joe, I'm I'm with you that uh, you pay him whatever, whatever he wants, whatever he asks for. I think he's that valuable. But, Josh, you bring up a great point, and that's why uh, this – past season was so crucial for the Chiefs they won it while he was still on his rookie deal so they could have a lot of other guys on the contract that they maximized yeah um, that deal and similarly you know he's still uh under contract and they've been signing a lot of one-year deals on on Thursday uh the ninth they signed Breland to a one-year contract they've been Demarcus Robinson one-year contract so they they are cognizant of that and they're kind of trying to patch it together and run it back one more year with everyone. And then they kind of realize they're going to be paying Mahomes so much. It might be a little bit of a different deal. That said, I pay him whatever he wants. Mm -hmm. So now the chiefs are going to run it back one more time while you have him on the rookie deal. We saw the Rams do that with Goff. you know, pay a bunch of guys around him and try to run it. And they made it pretty much as close as you can get right without winning the Super Bowl, second place. Unfortunately, if you're not first, you're last in the NFL um, kind of deal. But the Chiefs sit there at 32. Let's jump into the draft. Are you taking, I'm seeing running backs mocked. And the running backs is like a cherry on top, like a J.K. Dobbins. And they do have Damian Williams, like a J.K. Dobbins or an Edward Tolaire or a Swift, whoever you have atop of your running back list. That would be the cherry on top. Are you going in that route if you're the Chiefs? Or are you patching up for the future? Are you bringing in a young defensive player because you may not be able to pay you know, a Jones going forward, right? You may not be able to pay one of these big name guys, so you're going to have to have someone sitting behind him in order to jump in. Yeah, I'm. I'm actually going. If I, I think the Chiefs will go uh, defense. First of all, I wouldn't. It wouldn't surprise me. Uh, Joe and I have had some a lot of guests on some draft experts who said that the Chiefs might trade out of the first round. They often Brett Veach trades a lot during the draft, and yeah. uh, you know that's a spot where you can pick up more value, but. You know, Damian Williams is not only a good back, that, but you can get uh, running backs later in the draft. You know, they just signed DeAndre Washington, too, another running back. And uh, there's still some holes on a corner and linebacker, so they're looking for a positional weakness. I'd, I'd be very, I wouldn't be surprised if they take a running back. I'd be very surprised if the running back is the first uh, guy they take. And they also have Darwin Thompson, a rookie last year. They like. Yeah. It just seems weird I'm to scared. me. I, yeah, Joe. Oh, I'm sorry. I, no, please. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm actually, you know, I'm a little worried um, because I, I think there's a big risk, and Jeff and I have talked about this on on our pod as well. There's a big risk to trying to run it back with the same squad. I mean, it wasn't as if the Chiefs were one of those historic Patriots teams that won two, three touchdowns in the game. I mean, you look at their run through the playoffs; it was pretty magical from from that perspective and 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 you know when, when you're down two three you know scores going into the second half fourth quarter of games including the super bowl 
do they, you know, without Patrick Mahomes, do they really have the team to run it back when other teams are going out and making improvements, especially teams that, you know, gave them a run for their money, the Titans, the Texans, you know, the Texans, uh, the Super Bowl itself. I mean, they, that's a little bit scary for me. I mean, I think, look, I love the AFC West. I, you know, obviously I get the chapter privilege of getting to play in it for six years. And I saw some of the best rivalries in, in the entire league happening right in front of us in the AFC West. I, I think it's a division that people will watch across all lines of football. Even yeah. if you're an NFC fan on the East Coast, people love the AFC West because of those rivalries. And and that's my fear is it, is it the other team, the Chargers, uh, especially the Raiders, the Broncos. You know, I think the Broncos are such a good up-and-coming team. My fear is this run-it-back mentality is going to come back to bite the Chiefs. They may, they may eat one more Super Bowl out, but if they're not looking for the future, Josh, to, to kind of tag on what you were saying about this draft, they could be in for, you know, three or four or five years post, you know, maybe one more Super Bowl. If they're lucky this year. You know, they could be looking at a little bit of a drought if, if things don't go right with health and keeping everybody together. So I'm a little, I'm a little worried about the running back theory. Nice. Yeah, I agree. It's just, if running back's a slippery slope. It's a big hit or miss, especially like wide receiver. And going to you, Ryan, a lot of wide receivers are being mocked for the Broncos at the 15th spot. Are you loving where that's going wide receiver-wise, or do you want to see him go defensive side of the football? Because in my where I'm mocking it, um, I'm thinking Kenneth Murray out of Oklahoma. I'm just a big I'm a big Kenneth Murray guy. Yeah, you know, I'm kind of uh, more on the wide receiver train just because of that seems to be their biggest need on offense right now at the skill position. Obviously, adding Melvin Gordon, they're set at running back with him and Phil Lindsay. Yeah. You have Gordon Sutton, who I think is going to be one of the top receivers in this league, especially in the AFC West, but you don't have anyone to compliment him. So if they can get a guy like Jerry Judy or Ruggs or, or C. Lamb or any of these guys at 15, I think that just explodes the offense. Pairing that with Noah Fan and then Drew Locke, you want to give him as many weapons as possible. You see what the Chiefs have done and what their offense historically has done since Mahomes has been there, and it's because of those weapons that he has at his disposal. And that being said, I think what Elway has shown in these last two drafts, which have been historically good, especially for Elway's tenureship as GM, is yeah, he hasn't right? gone by yeah, but he hasn't gone by position of need. He's gone just purely based on best player available. He lets the board fall to where it is. So I wouldn't be shocked at all if someone like a Javon Kinlaw or, or like you mentioned, uh, falls to 15 and he says, you know what, we need a receiver, but this class is so loaded, I can't pass on this guy. A Dredrick Wells, you know, a top tackle in the draft, but they still could fortify that position. So I think at this point, it's anyone's guess what they do. I think the receiver is what they need most in this draft overall. But with how loaded it is, I would not be shocked if they just let someone fall to him at 15 and, uh, and then go get someone in the second or third round to add. Uh, I mean, they got Cortland Sutton in the second round two years ago, so it's not saying they can't get yeah. talent somewhere else. Um, so, but I think Elway's shown he kind of just let the board fall to him in these last two two years. It, it's crazy. I mean, that that fifteen to like eighteen range or that fourteen to eighteen range, it always seems like somebody falls for some reason. You know, Tunsil fell for one yeah. reason or another. Fitzpatrick fell out of the top ten, and then you had Derwin James falling into the Chargers' lap for God knows what reason at seventeen. Right, so someone's <laughs> yeah. always going to fall over in that range. Um, so I, I like that analysis. I think the Broncos will go best player available. But again, on the wide receiver front, Scott, the Raiders have two picks, twelve and nineteen. Right, and everyone and their mother is mocking like a Judy's Lamb rugs. It just depends on what day of the week it is. Are you set in stone that the Raiders are going to go wide receiver in the first round, or can they su- surprise us and kind of go best player available at the twelve and at the nineteen? 
Well, I think that they're definitely going to target a wide receiver in the first round, whether it's the 12th or the 19th pick. Then again, it's the Raiders, so you can kind of throw all predictions to the wall when it comes to the draft. Historically, <laughs> after they took, what was it, Cleveland Farrell with the was the fourth pick last yeah, year? Yeah. To go in the 20s. And never yeah, forget like Darius I mean, Hayward Bay. Yeah, you never really know with the Raiders. I think they're going to take a receiver in the uh, 12th spot. I know it's a deep receiver class, and they could take a Justin Jefferson with the 19th. But at the end of the day, I think they're going to just go back to their roots, look at the combine stats, and just take rugs based on the speed and the vertical. It kind of seems like what they do. I know that a lot of people think it's going to be Lamb or Judy. I think that's probably what they should do. But the Raiders always like to be a little bit different, and based on the measurables, I wouldn't be surprised to see them go with rugs as a deep threat. The one thing the team was missing last season, which everyone expected them to have, of course, was Antonio Brown and his ability to stretch the ball downfield on some one-on-one coverages. And I think they're just going to throw rugs out there, try to take the top off the defense. And I think that for that system, I think rugs make sense. Would I personally take rugs with the pick? No, but based on how the Raiders typically like to draft, I think rugs definitely makes a lot of sense there at the 12th spot. People, I mean, listen, the combine, he obviously lit it up, but the more everything, everyone's relying on tape now, right? You don't get to meet these guys in person. You don't get the pro days. You don't get the normal stuff that you would normally get with what's going on. And I think people are finding, though, that Ruggs is more than just a speedster. I likened him the other day, and it was a bit aggressive, and Jeff and Joe don't jump down my throat for this one, but I likened him to Tyreek Hill, and I love Tyreek Hill. I think Tyreek Hill is a top 10 skill player on offense, just in general running backs and wide receivers considered. He is a freak of nature, right? But he kind of has that in him. He can do more than just burn you. So I wouldn't be bummed if the Raiders took it. That being said, you know, watching so much Big 12, Lamb is is potentially a generational generational wide receiver. And I think Judy could be the next, you know, Hop or Michael Thomas out of the slot. But I think Ruggs The Raiders is, always make things interesting. Always. So I feel always. like even if it seems like a bold pick to take – a rugs over lamb. If there was one team that was going to do it, it would probably be the Raiders. They would probably so even, they may go Justin Jefferson at the 12th pick and we'll all be like, Jesus, here we go again. That's that. That's the unpredictable Davis I, bloodline. Sorry. That's that unpredictable Davis bloodline. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's the haircut. I'm with you there, Josh. I, I really like Ruggs. So even though he's most people are projecting him a little behind Judy and Lamb and and don't see him as quite the prospect those guys are. Uh, not only he wasn't just one of these guys who was a combine wonder. He he was really productive mm-hmm. and a really good receiver at Alabama. So I you know a lot of good. This is a great receiver draft and uh, mm-hmm. a lot of good options for the for the Raiders there. Yeah, who I mean, who isn't you know predict uh, you know productive Jeff at, at Alabama? I think you yeah, and, I right. think I think you and I could go for a hundred <laughs> a pop in a game against you know like some one of the week one matchups they always get against like a middling team <laughs> with two of behind under center. Uh, Nick, we'll close it out with you. Uh, we're not close it out with you, but we'll go to you in the draft uh, in this section of the draft. Yeah. Um, at the sixth pick. Right, Chargers are sitting there, and we're talking quarterback. We're talking Jordan Love. We're talking maybe Herbert. Uh, if he's there, if Tua, if he falls past the Dolphins, is there any way they don't go quarterback? Of is course, there a player yeah. you want to see them get? Is Okuda crazy? You bring up, you know, moving Chris Harris Jr. to the slot, then trading Desmond King because he's an he's a slot corner, and that all that has me thinking. Hey, can they maybe you know make a surprise a Raiders like surprise and go Okuda at the six? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, there's definitely a world where I see the Chargers don't take a quarterback at the sixth spot um, and potentially even trade out of that position. 
Um, like I said, if they do end up getting Cam Newton where they want to win right now and they don't want to develop a quarterback right now, um, then, you know, if a guy like Simmons falls to them, I can't see a world where they, where they don't, you know, where they pass up on him. You know, it's like that Derwin James situation where, you know, you can't pass up on a generational talent like Derwin James. With that being said, Jonathan Simmons is, is the guy who's just, or Isaiah Simmons is the guy who's just like that, you know, mm-hmm. he had crazy measures in the combine and I don't believe that they would pass up on him. Uh, I don't see Akuda being a big fit just because of that secondary already kind of being locked in. Um, I mean, they don't really have a ton of holes over there. Um, you do mention, yeah, if, if the King trade goes through, maybe that they have an option to take Akuda, but um, I would look to see them either take Simmons or one of the top offensive linemen in the draft class. Although I do think that they're going to draft the offensive linemen in the second round, maybe Austin Jackson out of USC or uh, Ezra Cleveland out of Boise State. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the, I mean, it's just guys fall wherever you go because you get deeper into the first round. People are just going to be taking wide receivers as, again, the cherry on top. And guys like Ezra Cleveland, you know, who's from Boise State, maybe flying a bit under the radar. Maybe a guy like Josh Jones out of mm-hmm. Houston falls into the second round. It's possible. Mm-hmm. Austin Jackson, who was great at USC. I mean, it's tough to gauge a guy at USC because it's a quarterback carousel last year. Right, so it's yeah. tough to even gauge some of the offensive linemen over there, um, but that could be a great play. I mean, there's the the Jedrick Wills seems to be the guy, and Joe, I want to get your take on this. It's him or Worfs. Who's your top or Becton? Who's your top offensive line? You played the position um, at the highest level. Uh, where are you feeling about that? You know, I, 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 to me, I think Worfs has has a little bit more athletic ability yeah. than the rest of them. Um, Along with the size, right? He's he's enormous. Uh, he's got the he's got the span the the arm span. He's got the feet. You know, going to to Wills on the Alabama side. I know a lot of you know a lot of the draft rankings have them both you know one and two. I, Alabama, you know, the SEC sometimes doesn't translate. You don't you don't you know you of course you're going to have some Alabama linemen in the NFL just just because you can't teach size and and they do tend to get some of the bigger guys obviously. Um, playing in the SEC, but I think Big Ten ball, I think Pac-10, Big 12, I, I think there's there's more athletic ability going on up front in some of those conferences in the SEC uh, because it tends to be, you know, smash mouth, big, big linemen who don't always translate to the NFL game. You know, yeah. you look at some of the some of the some of the premier tackles and even the guards in the NFL, um, you know, the athletic ability that you have to have out on the edge going day after day, you know, with the Frank Clarks of the world, um, you know, it's it's a little bit of a different game and it doesn't translate to me as well as, as some of the SEC stuff that you see going on. I, I, I've seen a lot more success coming out of the even the ACC from, from an offensive line perspective. That's just, you know, that's just my opinion on, on whether I would, you know, that's why I think Worfs is, has has a little bit more stock in my books. I think you bring up a great point, though, the way the game's changed. Um, because the edge rushers and guys like Isaiah Simmons are running four fours. Mm-hmm. These guys, Miles Garrett is not just a big, plotty guy in the defensive line. He is faster and bigger and stronger than a lot of the offensive linemen. And the game has changed for quarterbacks, at least, I think we're all seeing. Mahomes is rolling out, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you have Darnold, oh, yeah. who was struggling with the Jets. He goes to the coaching staff, and he says, this is how I want to play my game. They change everything. All of a sudden, things start clicking for the Jets, who have no weapons. I mean, we could all agree there. They are desolate in the weapons front. But things start to click for Darnold because he's rolling out of the pocket now. So I think the game's completely changed, and you got to have an emphasis on the athletic offensive line. 
Um, yeah, and the zone blocking scheme, right? I mean, you have to you have to have two linemen that can work together because when you look at the size and speed and strength of these interior defensive linemen and how big they are, it's much better to get, you know, two athletic 300-pound, 315-pound guys on one of them than to try to man block them, you know, one-on-one. You, well, number one, you can't. With their mm-hmm. size, speed, and athletic ability, these defensive tackles these days, you can't block them one-on-one. Yeah. So you need to have offensive linemen who are athletic and know how to work together. And it's not just line up who's, you know, who's got, you know, uh, who's going to get their, their face mask under the other guy's chin anymore. It's all about zone blocking and being able to move your feet and get to the next level when you're faced with these, you know, 340 pound defensive tackles who are running four sevens, four sixes. Yeah. So good luck trying to block them one-on-one. So, that's why I, I tend to to move more toward looking at offensive linemen who can zone block better, um, and then forget the pass blocking. That's a whole other story. Like you said, <laughs> yeah. going one on one with an Isaiah Simmons. That's like that's you got to be magic to block guys like that on a consistent basis. Yeah. So yeah, athletic ability for me, you know, if I could paint the perfect picture as an offensive line coach, I, I'd want size combined with some serious serious athletic ability, especially the way the NFL game is changed. Love it. Thank you. The resident expert right there on the offensive line. Uh, we've been really positive, guys. I hate to go for the negative a little bit, but what on your team that you're representing, what's one thing that you think they missed out on this offseason? One thing that you wish you saw them do? I mean, all teams considered, I think the AFC West is a good division of football. I think, obviously, the Chiefs are the team to beat in the AFC, let alone the AFC West. But I think the other three teams, especially now that there's a seventh spot in the wild card, can be competing for that. You know, I don't think this is the AFC South where we have the Jaguars who stink on ice and the Texans who I have no idea what they're doing anymore, you know, or, or the Colts are a big question mark. I think this is a very competitive division. But what, what is one thing you guys wish they did or thought they missed out on? We'll start with you, Dairu, with the Broncos. Yeah, you know, I don't I, – it's going to sound, I guess, uh, fanboyish. I don't think the Broncos necessarily missed out on anyone or there was a specific player they were targeting that didn't get. But I think where they did, in my opinion, miss a little bit is some of the guys in-house that they let go. A guy like Chris Harris who signed with the Chargers for $10.2 million a year. Like, why couldn't they resign him for that? Yeah. Um, someone like Derek Wolf who signed with the Ravens for a super, I think, 3 or $4 million a year. Yeah. Um, I know he was targeting, like, double digits. And he, the Ravens didn't get him for that. So I think more so letting kind of guys out of the building. Um, I know they let Will Parks also sign with the Eagles, who was a super versatile safety that did a lot in nickel and dime uh, with the Broncos. Now they'll be missing that, and I'm sure they'll get a safety in the draft to add to that. But uh, so not necessarily missing on anyone they were targeting, but just guys in house that had big roles that they let go for, for really cheap prices. That was kind of the thing I was bummed about, but they did well in kind of fortifying by bringing in other guys to fill those spots. So we'll just see now what they do in the draft. Mm-hmm. Scott? Uh, for me, I got to talk about the cornerbacks here. I know that the Raiders ended up making some moves, uh, uh, specifically at the safety spot. They got Jeff Heath. They got Demarius Randall. I'm not really a big fan of either player. And if you look at their cornerback depth chart, really just not impressed by what they currently have. At all. I expect them to target that with the 19th pick. I think they'll probably take Fulton with that spot out of LSU to try to help with that secondary. I kind of want to see them make a move. I know that uh, spending a lot of money for Byron Jones – isn't exactly the greatest idea or Bradbury, but at the same point, I feel like they could have gotten potentially a Bradley Roby type. Maybe they could have also have gone to Desmond Trufant, something like that to shore up the secondary. But for me, I feel like they're relying on a bunch of players who haven't really proved much in the NFL up to this point. 
And especially in a pass-driven league, I don't really trust any of the corners on the roster. So I feel like they probably should have gotten somebody who has proven themselves in the NFL to at least shore up that cornerback spot. So I'm a little bit disappointed by what they went with at the cornerback position. With Eli Apple deal falling through too, he's not. He's no longer going there. Well, I think um, that's an improvement because I'm not a big Eli Apple. <laughs> right. That's, that's a <laughs> Fair enough, Touche. Uh, Nick, what are you feeling about the Chargers? What do you guys miss out on? Yeah, I mean, I think the Chargers are a team um, in the league this year that kind of filled a lot of the needs that they really needed to fill. I yeah, mean, they crushed it. I said that earlier. Yeah, they crushed it. Like the, the, Bron- the Broncos did a great job too, Ryan. Exactly, exactly. So I don't think there was a lot of misses here. Um, there is one, besides the quarterback position, obviously, there is one uh, position that I think that they need to maybe still upgrade on. It's is receiver. I mentioned that a little bit earlier, whether that being in free agency, there wasn't a ton of big name uh, for agents out there on the receiver market and they're looking for a number three receiver anyway um, but you know guys like Funchess could have been signed or Perriman or even like a Randall Cobb you know someone who's viable um, but I do think that they're going to look to the draft to address that need because there's a plethora of amazing wide receivers in this draft class so I, I think that that's why maybe um, they didn't attack a receiver in the free agency but yeah I mean I like what they did on all all sides of the ball you know filling the voids on defense and also you know, getting the offensive lineman that they need to in um, Trey Turner and in Brian Balaga, which is an amazing signing. Mm-hmm. Chiefs boys, talk to me. You know, I actually kind of first world problems because the Chiefs have such a, a stack Yeah, okay, here we go. You know, you know, this sounds <laughs> homerish, but there is one thing that Joe and I have, have talked about, and it's back to the offensive line. Uh, I do think uh, not re-signing Stefan Wisniewski uh, Joe and I talked about this a little bit. He, you know, they were strapped for cash, obviously, but he got a pretty team-friendly deal with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah. And he really down the stretch fortified that uh, interior offensive line. I think he was their best interior offensive lineman, mm-hmm. and that could be a weakness going forward. They did get Mike Remmers, who I think they might plug in there. Mm-hmm. I, I, I agree with Jeff. You know, obviously, you always want to want to you want to protect your biggest asset. I, I think I'm going to make a couple of assumptions, Josh. So kind of like you did at the beginning when you kind of said, "All right, let's take out the quarterback position. Let's take out the fact that the, the Chiefs have went with the philosophy that they were going to keep the band together, right? So that's that was a philosophy they made. You know, who knows? Probably the day after they won the Super Bowl, they got together and said, hey, let's let's keep this band together. Let's make this run. Let's run this thing back and, and see if we can take the same exact team and replicate what we did in 2019. So with that said, that obviously put them up against a real cap issue. And you look at the people that they haven't or have you know not been able to sign and the ones they've let go. My biggest thing is if they, given paint the perfect picture, make the assumption that they were going to go out and make some plays in, in – um, in free agency, I think running back is where they made their best. I, I like Damian Williams. I really do. I think he he really came along in the second half of the season. And Jeff and I had our doubts earlier on when the Chiefs struggled a little bit in the running game. Was it a, was it an offensive line thing? Was yeah. it a running back thing? I think if if they had if, you know, again, this is a big if, right? What did uh, Coach Lee, Mark Levy said? If ifs and buts were candies and nuts, we'd all have a Merry Christmas, right? Um, if 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 the Chiefs had some money, I think to go out and get um, a running back to take the pressure off of Pat Mahomes. I think a real run, I mean, a a true, you know, blue chip, you know, free agent running back to carry the load 
Um, you know, look, I'm paying for Derrick Henry, right? God, could you imagine the Chiefs with the Derrick Henry? Uh, um, I would have sat this it, season it, it, out. I would have taken. I would have taken. Yeah, Dirud's like cutting himself. No way. I'm. <laughs> I'm not doing so, that. So if we can dream a little dream here and 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 bring up these scenarios, that's what I think the Chiefs could have done is, is picked up a real blue chip running back mm-hmm. to take the pressure off of, of Mahomes and, and the offense and give Eric Bieniemy another weapon to throw. But you know that wasn't going to happen when they decided to to go with the philosophy of keeping the band together. Yeah. If there was a year to do it, it'd be this year too with a guy like Melvin Gordon and Todd Gurley switching teams. Yeah. yeah. There, was, there were guys out there for sure. I, gotta... I have a question kind of for the, if we have time here, Josh, I was curious what Please. Uh, the, for the Melvin Gordon thing, what you guys thought about that, that I, I was really surprised by that, that obviously he's a good player and it was good value, but, I was very surprised at that move that the Broncos already have a pretty loaded uh, backfield, really good running game. What did you guys think? Well, I'll start. I just thought with bringing in Pat Shermer as the offensive coordinator, I think Ford just fits what he wants to do more. Obviously, mm-hmm. Philip Lindsay, um, who they have, is, is still kind of their, I guess they're going to call it a feature back, but they're really going to be one and two. But Melvin Gordon's a guy that can catch the ball in the backfield better than um, the staffs they had on the roster. Even though I know people talk about Lindsey in the receiving game, but he's really not great at it. He can do it, whereas Melvin Gordon is that much added um, talent to catch the ball. So it just fits well uh, in Shermer's system, and you'll see him doing things like not comparing to Saquon Barkley, but utilize like that more. Yeah. And then just adding that one-two punch with him and Lindsey, you'll be able to see what Eckler and Gordon did, and I'll see with Lindsey and Gordon. So I, I think for the value they got for him, I'm not a huge guy in signing big-name running backs, but – getting him for eight million is not like overpaying. So I think it, I think it was a pretty good move. Mm-hmm. Rather yeah, pay him eight mil than uh, Jimmy Graham. I don't know. Yeah, to piggyback, <laughs> piggyback off that route a little doing. bit. I mean, the guy's a touchdown machine and yeah. if you score touchdowns in this league, then you're going to get paid. Um, but I do think that there was a little bit of a toxic relationship between the chargers and Gordon, just because of the whole, you know, resigning debacle that happened sitting out and Gordon not having a good season in turn. Um, left the sour taste in both both mouths, you know, with that being Gordon, with Gordon the agents, and with the Chargers. And I think Gordon has a lot to prove. And having the opportunity to play against his old team twice a year is is a pretty appetizing, you know, feature that the that the Broncos offer. Revenge game, baby. Well, yeah, well, one thing to touch upon though, that uh, just about Gordon. I think we can all agree that's probably one of the worst contract holdouts of all time. Oh, uh, terrible. 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 That was terrible. Either or, talk about how the Broncos got him. I actually like the acquisition. See, you're not really comparing him to Philip Lindsay. You're comparing him to Royce Freeman. Because now that he's on the roster, pretty much Royce Freeman has no purpose at all. And I think we can all agree that Melvin Gordon's significantly better than Royce Freeman. Mm-hmm. Plus, you still have a, a very young quarterback in Drew Locke. And if you want to ease him along – you're going to have to try to set up some play action opportunities and try to potentially control the clock. And I think that if you have Melvin Gordon, who has the ability to run in the trenches, which might not be Philip Lindsay's strong suit, I definitely understand why they chose to go in that direction. I was a fan of the move. Uh, Melvin Gordon, after requesting all the money that he wanted and the Chargers realized Austin Eckhart might be better than him. So I understand why they let him go. I didn't have an issue with it. I thought it made sense. I feel bad for Royce Freeman, but it's a business. So that's how it works out. I think it's a, I think that's a great comparison uh, in there, Scott. And I think it's a great point. I mean, look, how many times did Garoppolo throw the ball in the in the NFC Championship game? It was like seven or eight times. At the end of the day, you gotta ha- you need the run. It's very rare that you can like as a Patriots fan, like you know, we were playing our bet. We when we when we had, were sixteen or no, eighteen or no, Maroney was crushing the run game. 
But that not he was crushing the run game all all throughout the playoffs, and they abandoned it against the Giants. And that's one of the biggest reasons they lost. It ended up going 18-1 instead of 19 or no. You need the run game, and I think Melvin Gordon just adds that one-two punch, like you guys are saying, and opens things up for a young Drew Locke. Because I think you know I think he'd be great. He's got a big lively arm. So if the if the play action's open for Drew Locke, that'd be great. All things considered, we'll close it out here, guys, because time's flying when we're having fun. Geek geeking out on some football over here. I want a hot take. I want a hot take from the draft, and I want a hot take for this upcoming season. I don't. It doesn't have to be Skip Bayless outlandish hot, but give me something. <laughs> give me something for your team. You know, uh, okay, we'll start off with you, Scott. Uh, well, does Rugs going uh, being taken before Lamb count as a hot take, or do you need another one? Give me another one. Give me another scorcher for you. I feel like you. Got, uh, I feel like you got I, some in the back cannon. Okay. I do not <laughs> think that Derek Carr is going to be starting all sixteen games this season. I think at some point, I think, first of all, I think the Raiders, even though I might be, I'm supposed to be defending them, I'm not really sure. I think they're the worst team in the division. I'm just going to come out and say it. I think all three other teams are better than them. Yeah. And I think that in a new environment, especially in Las Vegas, I think if the start of the season goes badly, which I think it will, I wouldn't be surprised to see Gruden try to make a desperation change to put some spark into it, especially after last season with Tennessee and how Mariota ironically got benched for Tannehill and it yeah. kind of lit a spark under the whole team. I wouldn't be surprised to see the Raiders struggle early on and then try to bring in Mariota at some point. That's my bold call. I don't think Gar- Carr is going to start all 16 games, and that's my thoughts on that. I think it's a great call. It's just, I mean, they were all things considered with Antonio Brown. Abram goes out their first-round pick. You know, there's a complete, there's just madness over there in their last season in Oakland. They still go seven and nine. So it's not like they're a terrible team. They're not horrible. But I just don't think if, if they had a more, if they had a more, if they had a better quarterback than Derek Carr, I think they'd be in way better shape. And I think you bring up a great point. I think Mariota may be better fit to run Gruden's offense. We'll see how that goes. Dirud, what do you got for me? So obviously, Drew Locke is the face of the offense. Everyone's talking about getting the receiver in the draft, adding firepower. I'm going to go opposite, and I think both Philip Lindsay and Mel Gordon both rush for over 1,000 yards. Whoa. Nice. That might be a little Skip Bayless. That's that's borderline Skip Bayless. That's borderline Skip Bayless right there. (laughs) (laughs) And we saw last year with Gordon sitting out half the year, I think Eckler went over 1,000, and Gordon still finished over 500. So both guys have a full season. In Shermer's system, we'll see. Easy Drew Locke into being the true full-time starter. Yeah, I'd love to make a side wager off the air with you on that a thousand yard. I'll give you some odds too. That's that's a that is a hot one. Uh, Nick, let's see what you got, man. Chargers. Yeah, yeah. Um, like I said, this could all change within a day if they sign a quarterback. But hot take. I I think that you know Isaiah Simmons falls and that they take him at six. That's a hot take, um, and that's that's what I believe for the draft in terms of the season. Um, this is more of a, a, a prediction. I think that Hunter Henry could be the top tight end in the league. I think if he plays a full healthy season, which he hasn't been able to do, um, hopefully he does it. You know, um, I think that he could be the number one tight end in the league. He could be flying off fancy draft boards, and he could be that first team All Pro. You look at all the teams that are successful in this league: the Chiefs, you know, the Eagles. You know, these guys have you know some of the best tight ends in the league. You know, they, they could stretch the field, but they could also pass block. And yeah. I think 
Hunter Henry is such a sure option to throw to, but also he he adds a lot to the run game as well when he's healthy. And I think that he's a huge part of that offense, and he can carry that team a long way if they have the right guy in there. Yeah, we just need to see him be healthy. That is a bit of a hot take, but less of a hot take than your Chargers winning the Super Bowl last year, unfortunately. That, 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 I'll, I'll never let him go for that one. That's, always, that's Chargers always, Bears. The Chargers Bears. That was Nick's big call last Ooh. year. Uh, yeah, I know. It was, it was a rough one. <laughs> it made the rest of us look good. Um, Je- uh, Chiefs, Jeff Joe, close us out. What we got? Well, I think, you know, I don't know how hot take this is. I mean, the, the, the Chiefs are not going to do a whole lot in the draft. Being yeah. So low in the pick, obviously. that That's not even a question. It could be a, it's going to be a mediocre to lackluster process for them. I think if, if, if Patrick Mahomes stays healthy, they win the Super Bowl. If he doesn't, they don't. I mean, I, I think, you know, that it's Captain Obvious probably, but, but I don't think, I don't think they have and have done enough to make enough moves to improve around him that if he doesn't stay healthy for the most part of the season, I don't, I don't think they win. And, and if he does, they do. All right, Jeff. I, you know, I think still the biggest part of the chiefs off season is still a little bit in limbo with Chris Jones. Um, you know, he, he hasn't officially signed yet and what, whether there's a holdout or, or not, this is kind of a difficult time to not have a contract when so much is in limbo, you know, with the start of the season delayed and stuff yeah. like that. Our teams really are they going to open up the coffers for that. So that's, that, that's sort of like, as, as great as everything is going for the chiefs, there's one very big wild card that would, that could totally change their season. Mm-hmm. On with that. Nice. And the last question I have for you guys real quick down the line does anybody, assuming everyone's fully healthy, I think we're all kind of in agreement that the Chiefs are the AFC favorite, let alone the AFC West favorite, yeah? Yep. yep. Cool. Uh, anybody else make the playoffs from this division? Dirude. Yeah, I think we could have Chiefs and Chargers both make the playoffs. I know it sounds homer, but I really like what the Chargers have done. If they get the quarterback position figured out or even Terod Taylor can just stay healthy and kind of be a game manager. And then the Broncos are a big wild card just because they're so young. We don't know what they can do, but there's a lot mm-hmm. of potential there. So, uh, especially with the playoff format expanding, I wouldn't be shocked at all if we have three teams make the playoffs. Wow. Wow. Another another hot take from Dirude Bayless over there. I got him all day. You got him all day. <laughs> Scott, what about you, man? Well, I started the show by saying, ignoring the quarterback position, I thought the Chargers were the most talented team in the division. Yep. If I had to go anywhere, I'd go with the Chargers. I know Denver did some very nice things. However, you, I'm a little bit worried that when teams compile more and more film on Drew Locke, he might struggle a bit. You kind of see a sophomore slump situation with a decent amount of quarterbacks and that could be an issue but for the chargers first of all i don't know who's going to be their starting quarterback i'm going to assume it's tyrod taylor for now just for the sake of this podcast uh for me though i just thought philip rivers was such a disaster last year and he was just a turnover machine he wasn't Jameis winston level but he wasn't good i'll tell you that much and now, he, for some reason, he was good enough to earn $25 million from Indianapolis. But that's a separate story. I think Tyrod Taylor, even though he's not a phenomenal quarterback by any means, if there's one thing that he is good at, it's not turning the ball over. And the Chargers definitely have the personnel to cause some serious problems at the defensive end, especially with the pass rush and their secondary. And I think that if the Chargers can cut down on the mistakes and assuming that their field goal kicking doesn't go awry for about the eighth straight season, I think they could easily win 10 games. So for me, I'd probably go with the Chargers. Nice. Chiefs boys, what are we thinking? I'm going to quote Chris Berman here. Don't discount the Raiders. I, I really <laughs> do. I mean, I think I think they've made what they had set, They signed top seven guys over $110 million total contract. Um, don't 
don't discount what John Gruden can do, um, especially in the tumult of all of this season with, you know, having no OTAs, you know, probably a limited preseason, et cetera, et cetera, with all the stuff we're dealing with environmentally. Yeah. Don't, don't discount what John Gruden can do. He's an amazing coach. He's going to, I think he's going to do some interesting things with this team and the talent that he's picked up, especially on defense. And, uh, you know, who knows, you know, if Mariota steps up and, and shows some of the form under his guys, you saw what you saw, what John Gruden did with Rich Gannon, right. When he made the move from the chiefs to the Raiders at the end of his career and was able to get, you know, get him a, uh, you know, an NFL MVP uh, trophy. So yeah, I think keep your eye on the Raiders guys. It's going to be crazy in Vegas. Nice. I like that one, Jeff. Yeah. I like the, uh, Good point, Joe. I, I but I also like the Chargers to make the playoffs as well. Um, even though I, I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of their coaching staff. Um, I, I think it's actually going to be uh, beneficial to both squads. I think Rivers will kind of re-energize himself with the Colts with a really good line, yeah. and I think he didn't really want to be there with the Chargers. And I think uh, Scott made a great point that just having a more kind of risk-adverse guy uh, like. Taylor will actually they have a with that good defense. I, I think they're going to have a bounce back here. Nice, like that. And Nick, close us out, buddy. Yeah, man, I I agree with everything that everyone's been saying about the Chargers as well. I think you know with the expanded season of seventeen games, they could potentially go twelve and five. Um, I don't think that they're going to win the division. I do think the Chiefs still have that. Um, but yeah, definitely a wild card team. The other wild card team, I'm on board with that route. I think the Broncos have a solid squad. I you know I think they've got a great defense. Bradley Chubb's going to come back from his injury you know, pair them up with Vaughn Miller, they're going to have a scary defense. And like I, like he said, you know, they have a great rushing offense and they've got some receivers. If they add another receiver, it's even scarier. Um, but yeah, I would say that the Chargers and the Broncos could both make the playoffs here. Love it, guys. Great stuff. Great talk. Great conversation. Glad this went well. You guys were the guinea pigs and it, we crushed it. So good job on you. Everyone was well prepared. Uh, Check these boys out. Ryan Dirud, LA Football Network. He does LA football, but also our resident Broncos expert. Jeff Fettiton, Joe Valerio of Believe in Chiefs podcast. Scott Reichel, Believe in Betting Bay Area. And Nicholas Kreider of the Charity Stripe podcast. These guys are great. Go check them all out. Gentlemen, thank you for joining today. Thanks. Thanks, 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 Ryan. Ryan, congrats, man. And yes, Ryan, congrats. We'll close it out with that. Good stuff, man. Round of applause. Yeah, baby. Round of applause. Appreciate it. Awesome, Take care, gentlemen. Guys. Take care, Take guys. Care, everybody. Yeah. Hope you guys enjoyed that. Really great stuff by everybody. Love it. Getting love bringing the Believe Post together. It's so fun, and it's on Zoom calls. We all get to see each other. It's really nice across the country, just take an hour. You know, not to get too into it, but take an hour, talk a little football you know, jab at each other a little bit. It's just a good time. A couple more things to tell you guys. Here's a quick word from our sponsors. I haven't really woken up oh, until I've had my McDonald's breakfast deal. And I know this is true because before breakfast, I put my phone in the refrigerator and couldn't find the keys that were already in my hand. Nothing gets the morning going like the first sip of an iced coffee. Get any size and any flavor for 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price and participation may vary. McDonald's. I'm loving it.
and a couple more words from our sponsors that I'll provide. While you're waiting this out at home with us, you can still have some fun betting at betonline.ag. With no NBA, NHL, or MLB, you might think there's nothing to bet on, but betonline.ag tells hundreds of places to wager, including their online casino with poker and blackjack. But sports aren't totally done. There's still eSports, American Idol, Big Brother, The Elections, The Spelling Bee. There are $750,000 poker series. What? There is still fun to be had, so go to betonline.ag and use the promo code MYPOD100 to receive your first welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, that's betonline.ag and use the promo code MYPOD100. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. And last, but not least, maybe most important, with home security, there's two ways you can go about protecting your home. You can wait for weeks for a technician to do a messy install that costs that cost a fortune, or you could get SimpleSafe, the two-time winner of CNET Editor's Choice Awards. SimpleSafe blankets your whole home in safety, outdoor cameras, and doorbells alert you to anyone approaching, entry motion, and glass break sensors guards inside, guard inside. You can set up the system all by yourself and it only takes 30 minutes. You'll have an army of highly trained security experts ready to dispatch police in a moment's notice 24 seven and it's just 50 cents a day with no contracts. Go to simplesafe.com team today and you'll get free shipping and a 60 day, ri- 60 day risk-free trial. You got nothing to lose, only everything to gain. Go now and be sure to go to simplesafe.com slash team. That's simplesafe.com slash team for Simple Safe from Simple Safe and all of us here wishing you safety and good health. Hope you enjoyed the roundtable. More to come. These guys were great. We're going to do a bunch throughout the year. And stay safe and enjoy time with the family and friends or whoever you're with. Take care. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube you know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks that's what our podcast people are the worst brings you with each episode i'm rachel And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.